This is the Our Little Romance Book Club Podcast. I'm Tim. And I'm Ash. We're going to be exploring some of the best self-help books in the genre in our quest to level up in our personal lives so that we can show up stronger and more authentic in our marriage. So, whether you've been in a relationship for decades or days, come and grab our latest read and a cup of coffee and come learn how to level up yourself and your marriage. Welcome back to our little romance book club podcast. We are here today to talk about law number three in Dave Asprey's book, Game Changers. When you say you'll try, you are lying. I cannot wait to get into that. But first, we are going to answer our three questions of the week. First question, what did we fight about? Let's jump right in, Tim, shall we? (laughs) We had some conflict today. And it started at the house uh, because we were going to be running some errands today. And I had left the house earlier with uh, the intention of getting a couple of those errands done, and it just didn't happen. But in my mind, that wasn't really a big deal because we had kind of planned to go out and do some errands later anyway. Um, So I came home and... uh, Tim was kind of in a funk before we were going to leave the house, and it, like, annoys me when I have to, like, really chase him down to get me, to get him to tell me, like, what's wrong, because I'll be like, what's wrong? And he's like, nothing. It's fine. (laughs) And it's clearly not fine. So finally, he's like, well... What was your explanation initially, even? Was just that you were stressed because of well, errands? I was concerned that we weren't going to be able to get everything done today because there was, you know, I wanted to work for a few hours and then we wanted to take some pictures for the Instagram and then, you know, obviously you want to hang out with the kids a little bit because it's a Saturday and don't want to spend all the time away from the house and we need to take bears to the dog park. And so I was under the impression that Ashley was going, to get, was going to get some of the errands done while she was out, and she didn't, and so I was concerned, a little stressed about that, and for me it was a change in kind of my thought process, and... Tim does not deal with changes in plans very well initially, like he's kind of that person where if there's going to be a change to the plan, like he needs some time to like process so yes we left the house and things still felt kind of off and I was like getting annoyed because I was like all right like we already talked about this but like what is going on with you why are you still frustrated um and I also felt like when he had talked to me initially and was like you know I just am stressed about the amount of errands we have to run I was like okay fine like we'll take one of the errands that I wanted to run off the plate like we'll skip the store that I needed to go to to return some stuff and so I felt like that was heroic and big of me no (laughs) I felt like I was trying to like help the situation so you wanted to go to yeah we'll get to that later Anyway, so we're coming out of Target, and I'm like, okay, dude, something is still off with you. Like, what, what is going on? Like, you are treating me differently. You're in a funk. Like, you're being weird. What's going on? You're being weird. And Tim said... 
Do you want how Ashley heard it or how how Tim said it? You say it how you said it, and I will say how I heard it. <laughs> Tim said, I don't like hanging out with you, Ashley. Um, that's exactly how I heard it. No. <laughs> what did you say? No, so I real I was just trying to process through it a little bit, and I realized that one of Ashley's quality times, or one of Ashley's love languages is quality time, or one of the ways that she feels most loved is quality time. And so a lot of times for her, errands is an opportunity for us to hang out together and to talk and to chat. And, you know, we sometimes we don't take the kids with us, so it's an opportunity for us to chat without the kids around, um, which is all well and good. And sometimes, though, I don't view errands that way. And so for me, if I have a list of errands to do, it's like, okay, let's get them done. Let's bang it out. And then, you know, we can go on and do whatever else we wanted to do that day and so I think part of the issue is that I didn't think we're gonna have to do so many errands and so then I didn't want to have to do as many errands as we did together and I was just trying to express but that's not how it came out no initially (laughs) how it came out like I said these things but eventually over the course of the next two hours all of that came out But what came out initially was I just don't really see errands as, like, anything except for, like, something that needs to be done. And I'm annoyed that you didn't get some of these errands done earlier like you said you would. And, like... Right. Sometimes I think errands together are a waste of time because there's two of us. That's what he said. we could divide and conquer and do twice as much things in the same amount of time (laughs) and I'm thinking to myself okay like this is a Saturday there's nothing actually that we have to get done because you had already worked so you had already gotten your thing done you had expressed to me that you had wanted to have time to work out which there would have been plenty of time to work out and plenty of time to take the dog to the dog park and there had been a slight miscommunication about the photos I think because he thought it was going to be like a full-on photo shoot and really I just wanted a couple of like cute lifestyle pictures of us around the house but I had already expressed that to him oh okay go ahead and so to me it just felt really like this is a waste of time running errands with you and I'm not getting anything out of hanging out with you like this feels like a chore and so that was like kind of jarring and hurtful because I really really look forward to running errands together with Tim and a lot of the times like I do see that as time that we can spend together and talk and you know we often have like really good ideas or meaningful conversations when we're out doing things together and so then I'm like thinking to myself like okay well that sucks because I'm a total extrovert and I hate running errands by myself like it gives me massive anxiety doing these things alone and also sometimes I tend to have a bit of a spending problem whenever I'm out just like shopping and so it is a good source of accountability for me to try to stay in budget when Tim is there and so I think for me like it was just it felt kind of hurtful well it felt very hurtful and just kind of you know it would be akin to like oh well 
you know, do we really, do I really have to hug you this many times? Can't you hug yourself? Like, yeah, me hugging you every time is a waste of time. Like, just love yourself sometimes because I'm tired of it. I give myself hugs all the time. No, you don't. <laughs> I give you hugs all the time because I love you. <laughs> so, yeah, you can, if you can tell, like, normally when we record this, we've reached some good resolution. We haven't finished processing this yet. So, this is us kind yeah. of processing this out loud. And so, so I did communicate to Ashley that. I felt like part of it was me being being able to need to I can't talk needing to be able to maybe that's how it goes communicate better to her when something happens and saying hey you know can you just go run these errands by yourself or you know being willing to ask for something that I need and I made it akin to something that she had done the day before where she had said hey look I'm just not in a great space for being able to to do this with you right now and you know that's just the way that it's going to have to be kind of thing or you know so can you just do it yourself and so I was just trying to communicate that I need to do a better job of asking for something if I want it or feel like I'm not in a great place to to handle the situation Um, because historically and uh, I don't know still I guess you know, particularly as a man, I suppose it's feels like weakness if I have to ask for something um, or say that I'm not able to do something right now. So just struggling to be able to ask for what I want from Ashley in the moment when things change or so, you know, it's not I enjoy going out with her a lot of the times and sometimes it's just it's very dependent on what was going on that day. Which is great news for me because now I'm going to have no idea whether or not he's actually enjoying running errands with me or not until we're already on the errand. (sighs) (laughs) It's almost like you... Okay, no. Anyways. (laughs) We're not going to go anywhere else. (laughs) I'm hitting him with an... Okay. We're going to move on. That is (laughs) what the conflict we had. Okay. What was our best moment this week? Oh... I didn't have enough time to think about this because I was thinking about all the conflict we were having. <laughs> uh, best moment. Again, that we can talk about on the podcast. Okay, you have to think of things other than sex because, yes, those are good moments, dur- like really good moments during the week. Ooh, but Well, we had a good, we had fun yesterday. So we were able to go out last night on a date night after a really good networking event for Ashley. So we had a good conversation, or just good time hanging out there, and we had a walk a couple days, well... Yeah, it was like two days ago. Thursday night? Yeah. Um, so we had had a planning session for our, our little romance and what we wanted to do for the future, so stay tuned. Exciting news, maybe. Um, but, you know, we had a little planning session and had a good conversation while we were walking, and being able to bounce, you know, stuff off each other and kind of play off each other's um, ideas. So I felt like that was good. Yeah. No, I agree. I think those were two really good moments that I really enjoyed this week. And what? Nothing. What? <laughs> Nothing. Yep. 
We're good. Oh my gosh, you guys. <laughs> what did you appreciate about your spouse this week, Tim? <laughs> I'll go first since it seems like you're having trouble coming up with something. <laughs> so today I um, was feeling really anxious after having conflict with Tim. Um, and normally the way that anxiety manifests in my body is it makes me incredibly tired. And so I get like this overwhelming like fatigue where I just need to like go to sleep. So I brought our youngest daughter in here and cuddled with her a little bit until I fell asleep and she probably got up and ditched me and went and played but um Tim let me sleep in here for probably like a good hour and a half or two hours and when I woke up he had written me a really sweet little poem and sent it to my phone which I really thought was super thoughtful and kind and he's never done something like that before like on the fly like he writes me poems sometimes like in cards for my birthday or anniversary or something but it was really sweet to like wake up and see that so thank you you're welcome i hope it wasn't a chore it was heartfelt (laughs) (laughs) spirit moved um so i think something i admired about actually this week is like I said she had a there was a networking event at a a local bridal boutique that was having its grand opening I think and Ashley had gotten a ticket and she was really trying to well I don't know really trying to find ways excuses not to go because her anxiety she found out her friend who was going to go with her wasn't going to be able to go and Ashley does have some social anxiety and so she was really hesitant and was going to call it off and she ended up going anyways and had a really great time so I was just proud of her for for doing that even though it was uncomfortable because she felt like it was important so and it turned out really well thanks babe and even if it didn't even if it didn't it still would have been good yeah all right let's go ahead and move on to talking about uh game changers in law number three All right, so if you have been following along in our book, Game Changers, What Leaders, Innovators, and Mavericks Do to Win at Life by Dave Asprey, we are now looking at law number three. And so essentially in this book, it's just a bunch of kind of hacks and biohacks and little ways that you can kind of tweak and improve your life. And so we're kind of looking at that with our marriage lenses on a bit and seeing how these little individual things can add up and help improve not only our marriage but hopefully your marriage or your relationship as well so law number three do you want to read it or do you want me to what the little paragraph yeah sure so again the law is when you say you'll try you are lying the words you choose matter more than you think not just to the people you speak to but also to your own nervous system Your language sets your limits and to a great extent shapes your destiny. When you unconsciously use words that make you weak, you stop trusting yourself and lead others to question your integrity. Game changers deliberately choose truthful words to build trust and break free from self-imposed limitations. So stop trying and start doing. Yeah, I knew like right when I read the title of this that it was going to be pretty convicting for me, but also I was kind of excited to read it 
Yeah, this is my favorite favorite chapter so far, uh, for sure. And it's funny, actually, I was just reading this. My mm-hmm. mom used to say, when people would say, honestly, and then something, she was always like, well, why would you have to say that? Like, isn't it Like, why would you have to clarify, I'm being honest right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. isn't that all the time? That's so funny. Anyways, so... Um, basically getting down to it he again it's about the words that you use both uh, I guess in your own head and the words that you speak and so the four main words that he talked about were the words can't need bad and try and so he calls these weasel words weasel words and um, which are basically limiting words. So his whole right. point is that these are words that we a lot of times like unconsciously throw into our vocabulary that not only cause other people to doubt what we're saying or maybe not take it super seriously, but we actually are convincing our own subconscious right. that we can't or that we need or that we are going to try or, you know, like. Right, and what I really loved about his discussion that I really didn't think about before is I think most people probably can relate at least to the word can't and when you use the word can't, you know, your conscious brain knows that this means, oh, it's going to be really difficult or I've never done this before or I'm having some self-doubt about this or, you know, so your brain, yourself, your consciousness can you know, interpret that to say, okay, I really just mean it's going to be hard or I don't know how to get there yet, etc. But you're saying your subconscious doesn't know that. And so there's a part of your brain that's saying, okay, it's impossible for this to happen. And just that part of your brain believing that is going to affect the outcome and whether or not you will in fact be able to, to do that. So I thought that was interesting and, um, an interesting thought and I like you know I underlined this part in that section under the weasel word can't is that can't is always a lie and you know it's interesting Dave Asprey is talking about how he's kind of reprogrammed his brain to always identify that word can't as a lie as a falsehood something that is not true and so he says when you learn to see it that way you'll solve problems differently And I thought that was really interesting, especially in terms of relationships, because I think we use the word can't Mm. a lot when it comes to our marriage or when it comes to our relationship. I can't seem to get through to him. I can't figure out how to communicate better. I can't get her attention. I can't, you know, so really identifying those times when you are using that word. And then he says that when you use when you say I can't whatever what you really mean is you could use some help you don't currently have the tools to do it you simply don't know how to do it or you just don't want to do it which I think for me is especially convicting sometimes (laughs) because I can't can't do it but really it's like I I don't want to do it and so I think it requires you to be more honest but also to look deeper in yourself to get Behind, I mean, can't is almost like a mask, and you have to just take the mask off and see what's actually behind it. Yeah, I think that's really good about the the relationship aspect. One thing that um, someone I 
I follow who's an athlete was saying, I've heard it before, is that he stopped saying, oh, I can't do that, and started saying, I'm not going to make the time for that. And Oh, like when talking about obligations? Right, or even like, you know, if someone's asking you to do something, or if you're just thinking in your own head about these things that you want to do, or things that maybe you <clears> think <throat> you should do, or whatever, mm-hmm. instead of saying, oh, I can't do that. I mean, the truth is, you could if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. You know, for some things, but instead of just being very clear, like I'm making a choice that I'm not gonna make the time for that. Right. Instead of like you said, hiding behind that can, be like, well, you know, you could, like, you should be honest with yourself and with others. Mm-hmm. And story time, Tim's Tim Karate story time. I love this, the can't because when I was in middle school, I took karate for like a year and a half, and in the dojo, as we call it. There was a <laughs> there was a sign and it had the word can't you know and like a circle and an X through it and the sensei was very <laughs> you are geeking out so hard right now was very strict about not using the word can't and so that actually was very formative for me and so I I mean I don't know Ashley could probably tell me better whether or not I've said it in our relationship but. Historically, I've actually been very careful about trying not to say it because I don't know that it was just something that was programmed into me. Yeah. No, I can definitely see that you really stay away from that word. I think the only time that you really use that word is that phrase like, I can't even, or I can't. Yeah. You know, as you say that, it's like something ridiculous will happen and you're just like, I can't. Right. That might be a little different. Um, weasel word number two is need. That's a really good one, too. And I underlined... <laughs> these are all really good. I'm sorry. Um, I underlined a section in, in this part where it says, On a deep level, your primitive brain believes that you'll die if you don't get the things you say you need, even though your conscious brain knows better. Right. And I thought that that was really good, too, because I think, again, in terms of relationships... I wonder how many times you need to stop doing this. You know, I need you to X, Y, Z. Yeah, I mean, it kept, it was a little difficult because in our conversation about fights, I was like, oh, the things that you need. And I, I think, I mean, in, in, like you said, I mean, our, our conscious mind, we're, we're just understanding that it's something that's very important to you for you to feel loved or for you to feel connected, right? But. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it it still is a want. Right. You know, and I think, I think if you get down to it, saying I need puts unfair pressure Mm, or responsibility on the other person. Right. If you say I need quality time to feel loved, you may not always have the capacity to do that. Right. And so if I'm hanging my very existence on that to you and to me, that's not fair. Right, right, because what does it do to mine? If you're saying that word to me, then it's going to be doing the same thing to my subconscious that it is to yours. Right. If you're saying, oh, I need that, then right. there's some part of me that thinks, oh, you're, well, I mean, you know, not really, but you're going to die if you don't get it, or right. you know, you're not going to feel fulfilled or truly loved. And... Yeah, so that's interesting. Well, and I was thinking about this, too, because uh, our two oldest kids... My oldest son, I don't know, somehow got Mm -hmm. stuck on this need, want thing. And so every time someone says, I need something, he'll be say, want, want. 
And <laughs> Which is funny because he'll come to me and be like, I need new headphones. Yeah. <laughs> but I should have figured out how, what's a healthy way in a relationship to be able to encourage the other person. I mean, I did this jokingly in, in our discussion of our argument and being like, oh, you wanted to go to Marshall's instead of needed. But how do you do it in a loving way without being like that annoying brother? Right. I mean, if someone's, you know, if your spouse is saying, oh, I need to go to the store to get these things, and you're like, in your head, do you really need to? You know, I think first off, maybe not be so judgmental of the other person. <laughs> <laughs> Grammar Nazi. But also maybe just In this think hypothetical yourself, situation. No, I know. But it... <laughs> um, but maybe reframing it to say, I can see this is really important to you. How can we make this happen? Or, you know, mm. instead of saying something like, I need for you to listen to me when I'm talking to you, or I need for you to take out the trash, or I need something. You can say, it's really important to me that this gets done. Right. Are you able to help? Mm. Um, because that takes off a lot of the do or die out of a situation right right and it still conveys like hey i'm trying to make this a priority so you're still having good communication there to let them know that it's important to you so you're not like oh hey when you get a chance can you do this you know by stating this is important to me and i don't have the time to do it right now or i can't make the time to do it right now or whatever weasel word but <laughs> so if you're, if <laughs> just you just have to, yeah i did i know we're bad um I think though you just have to make sure that you're really communicating and I think it does force you to like then take a look at your own self and realize like are you being selfish in this moment is this something you're truly not capable of doing right now or is this just something where you're being lazy and maybe you can just say hey I'm feeling kind of lazy right now I don't really want to do this would you mind because then at least you're being honest <laughs> right you know yeah because I like, I, I underline this too. It says, so stop needing and start wanting. You're not going to die. Sorry, I did not turn the volume down on my phone, so. Bling. Bling. It's popular. No, not really. All right. So. Weasel word three is. Bad. Bad. Hmm. So, you know, it's uh, interesting when I. I started doing some mindfulness meditation. Man, I don't even know how long ago now. Year, year and a half ago, maybe two years. And some of the mindfulness practices is when you're sitting and meditating and there's a thought that comes into your head. You, the, they tell you not to assign a good or bad indicator to it. I don't know there's probably a better word to for that. And so it's something actually that's been very helpful for me because I think historically I used to get caught up on a lot of things and still get caught up on a lot of things um, that maybe aren't necessarily important or I would assign like moral qualities to things that were maybe amoral. Um, and so for me it's been a work to try to look at certain things at least in a, in a more objective fashion instead of being quick to say something's good or something's bad yeah I 
honestly, I don't feel like I use this word very often. I don't feel like it's really much in our vocabulary. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. Like, I don't, I don't think I use the word. But it like crosses your mind. Yeah, exactly. It's like a good or bad to something. Exactly. That's a good point. Or more likely to say that's not good, than to say it's bad. Right. But. I mean, I think that's the same. Right, because if a situation pops up, you're like, that's not good. Right. Like, that's pretty much saying You're saying thing. that's bad. <laughs> right. That's not ideal. So, right. again, you know, or even, you know, when you're using these words towards your spouse or about your spouse or about something your spouse yeah. did. Right, like, or, oh, he's so bad at whatever. Yeah. You know, like, that could be something that you might hear in a conversation. Absolutely. And so I think reframing that, I mean, first of all, if you're talking about your spouse negatively to someone else that's not like a therapist, you maybe should reconsider that because it's not an, a way to honor your spouse. It's not honoring. For sure. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I use it more on a self, like I'm bad at communicating or I'm bad yeah, at emotions. Right. Or, right, like, and maybe that's just me because I have... I think you use bad at as a substitute for can't because it's like it holds the same meaning. Mm, mm. So I think for this one, you know, if you're assigning it either a good or bad as in a value of something, um, you know, just stop using the word. (laughs) Okay. Weasel word for is... Sorry. Okay. No, I think so. Maybe a little bit more elaboration on it. I think... I think Dave Asprey's point is that most things are not truly bad or truly good. I mean, we're not going to get philosophical into whether or not there's objective moral goods. Right. But... But he is right. It creates a false binary. Right. So he's saying, you know, like, oh, that's bad food. Well, it may be not be ideal, but it's better than starving. Or... Right. You know, like, doing that is just one of those, oh, is it really... Like, is it really, like, morally bad? Um, And that's what your subconscious, if we go back to what the subconscious brain is thinking, like, that's truly bad. Instead of just saying, I don't prefer that. Right. That, so, like, that was his main point. Yeah, for sure. All right, weasel word number four is try. And the opening line for this one is, try always presupposes a likelihood of failure. It's so true. I'm really bad with this word. Like, <laughs> well, it's like, uh, is that? What are the options? I guess the options on the Facebook invite is maybe, but if you could just replace that with try, you understand that no one ever. Right. Means. No one ever that clicks maybe no. and then actually goes. Right. <laughs> right. No, it's so true. I'll try to make it. Okay, I won't see you there. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it says if you say you're going to try to stay on a diet, try to read a book, you've subconsciously already planned to fail. You won't do it. Mm. And that's so true. And I hate it because I use the word try a lot. And I think it comes from a fear of failure. Mm -hmm. But, you know, subconsciously, I don't realize that by just using that word, I'm already setting myself up to fail. Mm -hmm. Like, Because I'm not going to give it 100% because I'm just trying, you know? So, like, I hate, I hated being called out on this one. I was like, so bad. But it's so, it is so true. 
And I just liked it because he quoted Yoda. He's like, yeah. do or do not, there is no try. There is no try, only do. Well, you know, it's interesting as parents and, I mean, in relationships, when we tell our kids, like, oh, well, you tried your best. I don't really know. I mean, maybe just say you did your best. I just always say you did your best, right? You tried your best. I, I did know. my best. I did my best. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe just replacing try with do. And we say, oh, well, do your hardest. I mean, we say try your hardest, but um, we I just replace it with do your best. So what, how can we then change our language around try in a relationship? Because I feel like try often comes up when you've asked your spouse to do something mm. or when you've ask your spouse to change something about themselves right you know i need you to really listen oh my god i'm so bad about that (laughs) sorry we need like a buzzer that like we like one of those taboo buzzers from that game where you're like where you say you know and then the person i'm like afraid to talk now (laughs) when someone asks you something and the other person replies i'll try to do better sounds like i need you to which is like try and they're like i can't then you're just screwed up right it's a bad situation i can't because it's bad (laughs) we uh, i mean we've definitely had evolving so fast we've definitely had a lot of those conversations where it's been like okay well i'm gonna try in the future and So how do we change our language? What do we say? Because obviously, I think, because you're human and you are not able to say, I will do this 100% perfectly every time after this. Well, I guess that's, is that what you mean by do? Precludes, I know, but you could just say, I will, I will do better. Yeah. That's a lot of commitment. Yeah. Out of the two of us, one of us is pretty scared of commitment, yeah. We're both a little scared of commitment. Yeah. But yes, out of the two of us, (laughs) one is. And it's me. (laughs) One is a little bit more scared than the other of commitment. Uh, Yeah. So, we need to work on these words. Mm -hmm. So, one of the action items for this section is to ask someone to call you out when you use weasel words. If you are already in a place in your relationship where you're kind of just nitpicking at each other all the time, mm. I would not add this to the mix. I agree. Um, but if you feel like you're in a good place where you guys can work on it together and not take it too seriously, um, then, yeah, get a jar and put a dollar or a quarter or whatever into it or, you know smack each other on the hand or on the butt or something i don't know <laughs> yeah definitely don't use it during arguments right but, uh, you're not supposed to say that word tan when I, if you guys are in a good-natured place i think definitely just something that you can remind each other and i think in some instances it's good to remind people of the reason why you know so for example if i'm going to try to remind <laughs> ashley to say She's going to say, oh, I'm going to try to go to this event or whatever the case may be. You know, I mean, I think the conversation can be a little bit more serious than, oh, are you really going to try, Ashley? You know, but say, hey, hey, you know, you should decide whether or not you are or are not so that we can, you know, both make a plan and make it happen. You know, make sure it happens or, you know, and Ashley's looking scared. 
My anxiety does not like any of the things you're saying right now, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll figure out a better way we'll to do it. We'll keep talking through we'll, this. Yeah. Maybe without having this on record. Um, all right, guys. Next time we come back, we are into chapter two, getting into the habit of getting smarter, Woo. which is like Tim's jam. I like it. Um, law, we're going to be going over law number four, which is even your false beliefs are true. I'm like, I need to go back and reread that because I don't remember what that's about, and that sounds weird to me. So, all right. Whether or not you believe you can or you can't, you're right. All right, Henry Ford. All right. <laughs> we will see you guys next time. Bye. Later. If you guys enjoyed this week's podcast episode, we want to thank you for joining us. Please go ahead and subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest episodes right when they drop. Um, if you guys want to find us on social media, we are, as always, on Instagram at Our Little Romance, on our website, ourlittleromance.com. We are also on Facebook as well. Pretty much you can just Google Our Little Romance and all of our stuff will come up. So find us on your desired platform and we will see you next time.